Oh, good morning. Man, that was unenthusiastic. Good morning. You guys need to sleep more on Saturday night. Um, man, I'm like sweaty and gross. This is church right here. Uh, this is what it's supposed to be like. Um, man, uh, this morning I'm so excited to be here with you guys. So excited to just open up this word with you. Um, and this morning, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John 13, 14, kind of in that area. So you can maybe find that and we'll be ready here in just a minute. But the past few weeks, we've been doing this series um, called Road to Redemption. I almost forgot it. Um, called Road. I'm just pumped right now. <sighs> Take a breath. Um, don't you just love it when God shows up and you're like, I didn't really think that was going to happen like that, but thank the Lord you got bigger plans than me. Um, and I'm like freaking out on the floor down here. And um, it just is what it is. Um, I just need a minute. Oh, man. Um, so we're going to be in 13, John uh, 13 and 14. And I'm so excited this morning about the series we've been talking about, Road to Redemption. And I'm really kind of excited about it because it's nothing like what I planned for it to be. In my head, we're planning this thing out, and I'm like, oh, man, we're going to do the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, and it's going to be the deal, and it's going to be amazing, and then, you know, that's just what we're going to do, and I kind of knew the stories I thought we were going to do, and then I started studying for it, and I literally read, like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the whole, like, last couple chapters of every one of those books, and I was kind of digging through there and trying to find these stories that I thought we were going to tell, and every time I was like, no, no, not going to do that one. And you're wrong again. I'm like, Jesus, I've like run out of gospel, so I don't know exactly what you want me to do, but that's not my plan. And he's like, that's fine. We don't need your plan. And then um, he started putting verses in my head. Like, I think it's Revelation, I'm going to say 13, um, but I could be wrong, so Google it. Um, but um, like Revelation 13, where it says that Jesus is lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before God ever created anything, before he ever set in place the foundations of the world, he'd already decided that, that I'm, I'm going to go, that Jesus is going to leave heaven, he's going to come down here, and he's going to die on the cross. And what I realized is that's not the plan that we thought, right? But it's the plan that he had. And then he started throwing things like Isaiah 53 in my head where it talks about the suffering servant. And you can see through there, like this is the story of Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus ever entered the planet, Right? Here's the story of what was going to happen to Jesus. And it just kind of got me thinking, like, you don't have to look to the last 24 hours of Jesus' life to see when Jesus is headed to the cross. He's, he's been on the way to the cross before we ever thought of. And, man, what an amazing thing, um, what an amazing truth. In this past couple of weeks, we've just been digging through the Gospels and seeing where Jesus is talking about. He's going to the cross. Isn't it amazing that he talked about the cross like all the way through all these books and then we get to the cross and the disciples are freaking out because they're like, I didn't know that that was going to happen. I feel like that's us sometimes, right? Like Jesus pretty much tells us his plan and then his plan happens and we're like so confused because it's not what we thought was going to happen, but he already told us what was going to happen. We've been talking about that the past few weeks, but the kind of thing that I didn't really realize as we started through this is what we're not really talking about so much is Jesus' journey to the cross, but our journey to the cross. And this morning, we're going to be in John 14, and we're going to talk about that, but to get there, we kind of have to back up and see the context that it sets in, and it sets inside of the context of 
John 13, which is, in fact, finally the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. In John 13, we see Jesus sets down with his disciples for this Passover meal, what we would know as the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, right? Something that, that we celebrate occasionally. And for us, it's the event that happened right before Jesus died, but for the disciples, it was just like, the celebration they would do every single year, the celebration of Passover. And Passover was a festival where the Jewish people would get together and they would celebrate God bringing his people out of captivity and slavery in Egypt. And God did that kind of in a weird way. He did that through a series of plagues uh, through a man named Moses. And just kind of maybe to jog your memory, back in Exodus, it talks about these plagues. And there's like, he turns the Nile red. Um, there's frogs and, and all kinds of other nasty little bugs. And there's some darkness that happens. But kind of the final culmination of these plagues, we see that um, God is going to send the angel of death into Egypt. And the angel of death is going to come through there and he's going to kill every firstborn of like everything in Egypt. There were no exemptions except for, he told Moses, this man's prophet, he told Moses to tell the people of Israel to take a lamb. Like four days before this event, I want you to take the lamb and we put it in your house and take care of it and feed it and love it, and claim it. And then at the end of this four days when it's a pet and your kids really love it, I want you to kill it. And then I want you to take the lamb's blood and I want you to put it on the doorpost. And as the angel of death moves through Egypt and he sees the blood of the lamb, he'll pass over, there's the word of the festival, your house. Isn't it crazy that we're talking about the cross and Jesus is sitting down to eat this Passover meal? It's no coincidence. Again, it's Jesus just on his way to do what before creation ever started, Jesus was on his way to do, and that was to die on the cross, that he would become the lamb. Triumphal entry, heard of that? It's when the people choose the lamb, Jesus, the lamb. Four days before this event, actually. And then Jesus would be slaughtered, and to anyone that, the blood was applied, the angel of death would pass over. And here they're sitting down to this meal, and Jesus is fully aware what's coming, and the disciples are just doing the thing that they've done every year. They're in the routine. They're kind of in, in the motions, and Jesus is thinking about a different thing. And he sits down, and he washes the disciples' feet, which we're not going to talk about today. And he predicts um, Judas's betrayal. This is the disciple that he loves, that he called, is going to betray him, and that's how he's going to become the lamb. Or at least the slaughtered lamb. He was the lamb already. And then Jesus says this weird thing in 33, something the disciples probably weren't really ready to hear because they were just celebrating the Passover. He says, children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I tell you, Jesus looks at the disciples and he says this really weird thing. He says, I'm going away, right? That you're going to look for me and you're not going to be able to find me. I'm leaving this place. I'm not going to be here with you forever. 
Can you imagine being the disciples here in this? Like we followed Jesus for three and a half years now. We left everything. We left family. We left job. We left uh, the way we made our living. We left all that stuff. We left our homes. We left our land. And, and we followed you around. And when we started following you, we thought this was going to be kind of like a forever deal. We didn't know there was a date where you were just going to drop us off. And now here Jesus is saying, like, I'm leaving. And where I'm going, you can't come. Man, the conflict in that would have been extraordinary, right? Like if Jesus walked in the room today and he's like, yeah, I know what I said, but I'm just leaving and you can't come, we would be freaked out by that just a little bit. And that was the moment these guys were in. All they knew was following Jesus. And here Jesus is saying, I'm leaving there had been some uncomfort, some uncertainty that came in that moment. And, and this is the moment that we're sitting in, in in the story. And I just want you to know that. What do you mean? <laughs> You're the Messiah and we're your boys, right? You're supposed to be the king. You're supposed to set up a kingdom. You're supposed to do the thing. You're supposed to reign over all, you know, the universe. And, and we're going to be the guys that hang out with you. And now you're leaving because they weren't looking for a Messiah that was going to die on the cross. They were looking for a Messiah that was going to set up an eternal kingdom forever uh, and, and reign. And they were going to reign with him. And Jesus says, uh, it's not my plan. Actually, I'm leaving. Now, at this point in time, we, we've heard Jesus say this over and over and over and over again, right? He's talked about the cross. He said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. Jesus said over and over, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm getting out of here. And still in this moment, it's like unbelievable to them. This is not what we signed up for. Jesus goes on. He says um, something that I just love from the Bible, actually. He says, um, I give you a new command, love one another. This is what he says to these 11 guys. Judas has already hot-tailed it out of there. I give you a new command, love one another, um, just as I have loved you. This is to these 11 guys, but it's also to the church. And he says, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to the cross, but I want you to know, before I go to the cross, you need to love one another. And just as I've loved you, you must love one another. But he doesn't stop there. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. People are going to know your mind by how you love each other. Right, that's what he says to them. That's what he says to us this morning. People are going to know your mind by how you love each other, not by how you dress and not by how you come in the room and not by like what music you listen to and not by your T-shirts and not by your bumper stickers, but how you love each other. That's how people are going to know that you're mine. See, the power in, in, in the church is this love, right? Like people see it and they're like, man, I've never experienced anything like that. I, w- I want to see what that's about. And then that love always points people to Jesus because he says to love each other just as he has loved us. It comes straight down through there. Unfortunately, we're not very good at that. In 36, um, we see that Peter is upset by this and he says, Lord, um, Where are you going? Well, I've already told you you can't go, so that's like a problem there. We don't really need to know the details. We just need to know that he's going away and and he's commanded us to stay in love. And and it says, Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me. Just in case, Peter, you didn't hear me, you can't come. Um, But you will follow later or you will follow eventually, right? I'm going to die and you will too, is what he's saying. Um, 37, Lord Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? And then he says this thing, I will lay down my life for you. I'd I'd rather die than be without you, is what he's saying, right? 
if it, if it's going to be that, like, I don't care how dangerous it is, I'll come with you, and if I have to die to follow you, then I'll die to follow you. That's what Peter says. Um, I think that's probably all of our intent, right? But says Jesus replied, um, will you lay down your life for me? He asked him this question, but Jesus is going to answer the same question here in just a second. He says, um, I assure you the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. He, oh, you will, will you? Because uh, I know what's coming up in the near future, and before it's morning time, you're already going to deny me three times. So talk is cheap is what he's saying. Uh, yeah, your intent is, but when it gets hard, you, you won't. Can you imagine him saying that to Peter? And that's the context that what we're going to read this morning sets inside of. I'm going to the cross. You can't come. And then Jesus says into 14 to these people who are upset and who are confused and who probably feel like the world's falling apart around them. He says, um, your heart must not be troubled. Oh, man, thanks for that, right? I've devoted three and a half years to following you, and all of a sudden you're saying I can't do it anymore. And your answer to that is, let not your heart be troubled. Thanks, Jesus. I feel so good now, right? Let not your heart be troubled. That didn't probably fix anything, did it? You ever had one of those friends that's like, you tell them about something that's wrong, and they're like, oh, don't worry. And then you have that urge to just punch them in the throat. (laughs) Maybe something like this moment. Jesus said to these guys, you know, like, oh, we come to church, so we're totally on the same boat, not really, as these guys. These guys who have left everything and literally been like homeless with Jesus for three and a half years, been completely fine with it. They, they've just had their needs met and, and been around. They've not had excess. They've just had enough. And they've been content with that because they were with Jesus. And here Jesus is after they left family and home and job. Like, how's Matthew going to go back and just be a tax collector? Right. Like maybe, maybe just Peter can just change his name back to Simon and go back to the boat. Maybe, but like there's some of these guys, we can't go back. And, and here Jesus is saying, um, I know you signed up for life, but I'm leaving. And they don't know what he's talking about. They, they don't know where he's going. He's talked about the cross for, you know, like chapters now, and they still have no idea. And they're like, what do you mean we can't go? We left everything to be with you. We kind of signed up for the long haul. We didn't just sign on for three and a half years. We thought our contract just went forever. And now you're saying we can't go. And, and in that moment, man, imagine your best friend saying, I'm leaving you and you just, you're not going to hear from me for a while. And there's some hurt and heartache that comes with that. And there's definitely confusion that comes with that. And there's, oh, my life has fallen apart that comes with that because my plans were to be with your plans, whatever your plans were. But the truth of it is, when it comes down to it, they're not sure if they like his plans. Because he says, I'm leaving, instead of just being like, okay, um, they're freaking out. And he says, into that moment, your heart must not be troubled or don't let your heart be troubled. And then he says, here's why. 
believe in God or you believe in God, right? You believe in the plan of God. You're people that have followed like a preacher around in the woods for three and a half years. You probably believe in God at this point in the occasion. You've seen me heal people. You've seen me talk into tombs and dead people have got up. You probably have like a belief in God right now, right? And he says, you believe in God or believe in God, believe in the plans of God. But then he says this, he says, believe in me also. Just like you believe in him, believe in me. Just like you believe in God, believe in me. Now see, this is where it gets weird for us because belief for us is belief that he exists, right? We believe that God exists, right? And if this is the belief he's talking about, oh, I believe that God exists, so I believe that Jesus exists, that's weird. You've been walking around with Jesus for three and a half years. If you don't believe Jesus exists, there's greater problems than what we're talking about this morning. See, the truth is belief was never intended to mean just like believe that something exists or believe that a historical event happened, right? Like you'd be, it'd be ridiculous of you to, be, to not believe that 9-11 was a thing, right? Like it would. Like most of us in the room probably were around for it. And if not, like every year there's clips that show that thing happen. Some of us maybe even know people that have experienced it, that were there, It'd be ridiculous for you to not believe that 9-11 was a thing. And it's not the belief that he's talking about. Actually, the definition of belief, we got that back there, I think. It's coming. It was, I saw it earlier. There we go, yeah. Um, believe is actually to accept something as true and to not just accept it as true like a blind faith, but to feel sure of the truth of it. To accept something as true, right? Like 9-11 happened, but like to, to accept it as true or to feel the truth of it. That's the dictionary definition. The biblical definition is a strong personal feeling of belief, right? A strong personal feeling of truth. And Jesus says to these people, um, you trust the God, now I need you to trust me. You trust God, you trust that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he's going to do and now I need you to trust me. I'm going away and you can't come, but I need you to trust me. And why would he say this? Because in just a few hours, these men were going to watch Jesus be brutally murdered on a cross. A Jesus who, yes, has talked about the cross and who, yes, has talked about the resurrection. But these people are living pre-resurrection at this moment. They don't know. But Jesus has said it. And he says, I need you to, to, to trust me just like you trust him, right? Like, you haven't followed me for three and a half years because you, <laughs> because you don't trust God. There, there's something deeper than that. I need you to trust me in the same way. Trust me because you know me, is what he's saying. Trust me because you know me. You're going to see something crazy in the next few hours, and I need you to believe when you see it that it wasn't something happening to me, it was something happening for you. 
This is not an accident. It's not something that just happened by chance. It's not Judas's fault. It's not the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees' fault. This is the plan of God. And hours before I go, I'm going to tell you I'm going. So when it happens, you're not confused. Just ate dinner, celebrated this lamb that would be slain. And then in here in just a few hours, I'm going to be the lamb that is slain. All of history has been pushing to this moment. And when you see it, I'm hoping something clicks in you that says this wasn't something happening to him. It was something happening for me. Believe or trust in God. I need you to believe and trust in me. And then he starts talking about heaven. I want you to know what what this is happening for is what Jesus is doing. He says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. Some of your Bibles maybe say mansions. Throw that away. Um, Some of them say rooms. That's the ones I would feel are probably more accurate. If you were offended when I said you're not getting a mansion in heaven, go buy a mansion now because you're trying to go to heaven for the wrong reason. If the only way you want to go to heaven is if you're getting a mansion, then maybe you shouldn't go. Because heaven's not about a mansion. It's not about streets of gold. It's not about these pearly gates or any of that other stuff. I don't even know what it all, all it's going to look like. And to be honest, I don't care. I don't care what heaven looks like. I'll just be honest with you. I don't care what I live in when I get to heaven. I could live in a porta potty for all I care as long as I make it like I make it. I don't, I don't care what it looks like because the goal of heaven is not what the streets look like. And if it is, then maybe you're not going. And the goal of heaven is not like some weird gate thing that's made out of one pearl. That's, that's not the, the goal of heaven. It's not like the whatever the sea is made out of or any of that stuff. It's not any of that stuff. The goal of heaven is to be with Jesus. These disciples are upset. Why? Because they're not going to be with Jesus. And then here Jesus is coming in and he says, hey, I just want you to know you'll be with me again. He didn't come in. He's like, hey, I just want you to know there's streets of gold. There's pearly gates. It's going to be an awesome thing. You might see me sometime. I might be hanging around. You're probably not going to get to be close to me because I'm kind of popular there. Like he didn't go with any of that stuff. He's like, you're upset because you're not going to be with me, but I'm making a way that you can be with me forever. That, that's what heaven is about. And if that's not enough for you, then I don't know that you really either A, know Jesus, or B, are going. If all you're excited about in heaven is I'm not going to burn forever, maybe you should just live it up here and then do that because heaven will not be super exciting for you. <laughs> Streets of gold are going to get old, right? Oh, I've seen that, Right? I went to Washington this week, and some of you know that, some of you don't know that, and I don't know I was going to say this, it's not part of it, I'm just ad-libbing, I guess, but um, I had been before, and the first time I went, I remember thinking, man, this is amazing, like everything here is just huge, and like Abraham Lincoln's like 19 feet tall, and that's awesome, everything's big, and I feel really small, and this is the coolest city in the world, and then I went back this time, and I'm like, it's cold, and I just want to be inside, right? I mean, the best part about the trip was I hung out with Tommy the whole time. That was fun. Other than that, like, it was like, I mean, it's cool. It's a pointy tower, but I've seen it. It's the White House. That's cool. I'll probably never get to go in there, but (laughs) it's cool. But I'd seen it. Right? A couple thousand years into heaven, the streets are not going to be like, oh, man, that's awesome. It's gold. I woke up this morning. The streets are still gold. I didn't think that was going to happen. Like, that's not going to be the deal. 
The disciples were upset because they weren't going to be with Jesus. And then Jesus says, hey, I need you to trust me because you know me. Something um, crazy is going to go down. But when it goes down, I need you to know it's not happening to me. It's happening for you so that you can't just be with me for 10 or 15, 20 more years. But you can be with me for eternity. I can get on board with that. So he says to them, in my father's house are many rooms. Why do you think he didn't describe what the rooms look like? Because it doesn't matter. In my father's house are many golden rooms or many clay rooms or many porta potties. It doesn't matter. <laughs> They'll probably be nice rooms. It's heaven. Everything's nice there. But who cares? If it's a Motel 6, I'm in because Jesus is there. He says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. And then he says this, if it wasn't true, I would have told you. In other words, if only a couple people could get in, I would have told you. If it was like a John, the disciple Jesus loves gets in because I got one room, but all you guys, you can't come. I would have told you that. What I'm saying here is Jesus is saying to them, man, there's enough room. There's enough room. In my father's house are many dwelling places, many rooms, many spots, and there, there's a lot of them. And if there weren't, I would have told you. There's enough for all of you guys. You're worried because I'm going away, but I want you to know, like, when I go, you're eventually going to come, and there's enough spots for all of you. And if not, I would have told you. I wouldn't let you follow me for three and a half years and only two people get in. And then he says this, here's why I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know why you can't come? Because it's not ready yet. Like I'm making a place, and when I get done with the place, then you can come. But I'm going to make a place. I'm going to make a way. Think about this. Hours from the cross, Jesus is looking at the cross. He's looking at what he's going to go through. He's looking at the crown of thorns and the nails and the scars and the stripes and all those things. And here's the conversation he's having with these guys. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. They're going to murder me. It's going to be brutal and horrible, and you're going to be so confused. And you're going to think, how can this be the plan of God? How can something this crazy be the plan of God? But I want you to know, in the middle of the chaos, I've already told you this is going to happen. This is how it's supposed to happen, because if it doesn't happen, I can't go. And if I can't go, I can't make a place. It's so important to me to make a place for you. I will go, is what he's saying to those people. Oh, yeah, I, want, I would love to hang out here with you guys for another three and a half, four years, five years, whatever, 20 years. I would love to do that. But if I do that, I can't hang out with you forever. There's a limit to it. There's an end to it. So instead of that, I'm going to willingly go to the cross. They're going to brutally murder me. But in that, I just want you to know it's worth it because I'm going to prepare a place. And then he says this. He says, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Oh, I'm going to prepare a place, but if I go, I will come back. That's like the deal that Jesus makes in these moments. I'm going to go. But when I go, I will come back, right? If you've grown up in church, you've heard that a million times, right? 
oh, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. Actually, when I was younger in church, I feel like we talked about that every week, like Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. And I eventually hit a wall with that. I'll be honest. Because I heard it week after week after week after week, and then Jesus still week after week after week after week had not come back. And eventually it was like, I don't know, right? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not taking a poll today. But has anybody ever been like, I mean, we've talked about it for like 2,000 plus years now. So I, don't, I just don't know. I don't currently feel that way, but I have felt that way. Maybe some of you currently do. Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you will lie and say that you've never been there. But I mean, we've probably all at least been there. Because for generations now, right, we've talked about this, and it feels like every year there's like some dumb tabloid like right around January that's like, Jesus is coming, 2018, Jesus is coming, 2019. It like happens all the time. And we're just like numb to it. Like, ah, I mean, probably not. Maybe like a thousand years from now. It used to be something like the church eagerly anticipated, and now it's something that's like, we just try to sweep that out of the way, right? Like, that's crazy talk that Jesus would come back here. But it's kind of crazy talk if you think about it that God would come and that he would die. And see, he made this deal, like it's right there on the paper, like he said it, and now it's been written down, and he said, if I go, I will come. That's what he said, right? Well, has he gone? Like he's not still walking around here that I know of. Like there's pretty clear evidence that he did die on the cross and that he was put in a tomb and that he was resurrected, and then a lot of people saw him go up to heaven. He did go. And the deal he made contractually here is, if I go, I will come, right? I'm not saying, like, that's going to be tomorrow, but I'm saying it's going to happen. And, like, I would love to be here to see that. I really would. Like, that would be pretty amazing um, just to see how all that goes down. But if I'm not, I'm going to have a better view of it because I'm going to be, like, on that side of it watching your faces. And I'm okay with that, too. But what I do know is that here Jesus said, if I go, I will come. But here's the goal of that. To receive you, it's this image of like being given a gift. I don't, I don't know if we have the definition for that one too. Do we have that one? I don't, do, do we? Okay, I couldn't remember if I sent that one or not. Receive is to be um, presented with or paid something. It's this image of a gift, but even more than that, it's this image of I've earned something. Like if you work all week, you receive a paycheck. That's how that works. Or if you're a kid and you're bad, then sometimes you receive like a spanking. Right? Like that's kind of the, the thing. It's what you're paid. If you speed, you receive. It's not a gift, right? You receive a speeding ticket if a cop catches you. It's just how that works. And what, what Jesus is saying here is, man, I, I went to die on the cross. I went away. And my payment for that, or my gift for that, every, every one of those images is beautiful, is that I'm going to receive you. It, the cross was worth it because at the end of the cross, at the culmination of history, I receive the church. Man, some of you just hear that, and it's like, I don't, I don't know that I believe that. Can you imagine Jesus saying this to these guys, these 11 guys? I'm going to go to the cross because in going to the cross, I will receive you. I will be given you. The payment for the cross is you. What I earn through the cross is you. That's what he's saying to those 11 guys, but it's also what he's saying to us. You, you don't work for 40 hours a week because you just enjoy work, most of you. 
You work because the paycheck is enough that makes it worth it. If not, you'd quit it, right, and go find something else. Jesus didn't go to the cross because it just felt good, right? He went to the cross because what he would receive was worth it. And what he's saying is, like, I went because I want you. I'll come back and receive you to myself. So here's the reason. So that where I am, you may be also. So that where I am, you may be also. Not so you can enjoy streets or so you don't have to burn forever, but so we could be with him. It's this idea of Jesus wants us. And because he wants us, he made a way that we could go be with him. And can I just flip that? If we want to go be with him, it's not because we don't want to burn forever. If that's the salvation you got on board with, you need to check that. If we want to go be with him, it's not because mom and dad are there. If that's the salvation you got on board with, you need to check that. If we want to to go to heaven, if we got salvation, it's not because we wanted to go have a mansion. And if that's the reason, then then maybe you need to check that. Because let me ask you this. If heaven and hell temperature-wise traded places, would you still want to go? If the answer is no, there's an issue. Because if Jesus is there, that's where we should want to be. It's not a temperature thing. If heaven means you have to live in a porta potty on streets of filth, then would you still want to be there? And if not, you need to check that. Because that's not what Jesus went to prepare a place for. It's a beautiful place because Jesus prepared it. But that was never the goal. I'm going to go down the cross so you can all have mansions. That's dumb. God speaks creation. Like he could just give us that here. The whole point of the cross was so that we could be with him and so he could be with us. That was the point. And if it's not enough for you, then Jesus will never be enough for you. And I say that in love. Actually, the the reason I think Judas was not in this little club is because money was enough for Jesus or for Judas. He didn't want Jesus. Jesus was like, my plan is to be poor and to give everything away. And Judas was like, I don't really like that plan. I signed up for this because you're the Messiah who's supposed to reign forever. That's what I got on board with. He probably saw more clearly where Jesus was headed than any of the other disciples, and he didn't want it. And then Jesus says to these guys, you know the way where I am going. You know the way where I am going. And five, Thomas here speaks up. We don't hear from him much, but when we do, it's always awesome. (laughs) And he says, we don't actually know the way where you're going. How can we know the way? See what? he's looking for is like a GPS address. I want to know what house. I want to know the place. I want to know where you're going to be sitting in the house because I want to know how I can get there. It seems great, doesn't it? Does that seem good? Like, I mean, that's most of us, right? 
If I could today say this is a definite checklist of how you can get into heaven, if I could just print that off and pass that out, we would all do that. Read the Bible once a day. If that was on the checklist, I feel like we would do it. Right? Come to church every week. If that was on the checklist, we'd do it. It wouldn't matter, right? Like what was going on? He'd be like, I don't care. I'm going to be there because if I miss one and I'm out, that's going to be a bad day, so I'm going to be there. And he wants like the... I need to know the steps. That's what he's asking for. And we can sympathize with that because most of us are the same way. But look what Jesus said just before that. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will receive you. Why do we need to know the address? Jesus is not asking us to trust in the address. Right? He's not asking us to trust in the process. He's not asking us to trust in do this thing or check this box or wear this t-shirt. He's not asking us to trust in any of that stuff. But what we've made church is trust all this stuff. Some of you hear that and you're offended by that. But it's, it's true, really. Like, if you'll just come around that thought and just think about it for a minute. Some of you go home and you'll be mad at me, and you'll think about it, and you'll be like, no, he's, he's right. Because what we've made it is about the thing, right? Like, what we even use terms like the sinner's prayer. What is the sinner's prayer? Please tell me. I mean, I know where to find it. It's in the back of the Bibles after all the stuff that God wrote. Or the front before all the stuff that God wrote. But who made that? Man did, because he tried to make a list for what God never made a list for. Right? Does salvation come through prayer? Yes, it does. Look at, look at, look at I guess, Romans, right? We, we all know it. If you've ever been to Bible school, right? Admit, believe, confess. There, there is like a process there that happens. But this little magic, little, if I pray this, I'm going to heaven. That, God never wrote that. This preacher told me, just repeat after him. Well, that preacher just messed you up. If that's what you're trusting in. You know what I remember of what I prayed? Zero. Because I don't think my words actually mattered. It was what God was doing in my heart. I'll be honest, before I ever made it to the front, I feel like God changed my life. Like I took a step and it was like, oh, there it is. I don't even know that I needed to go do the prayer thing. It was God knew my heart. At that moment, I was moving towards him, and he met me there. I didn't have to get to the front. God met me where I was. But we try to make it about a process. And some of you guys, like, you know, you prayed that prayer, and you got up exactly the same, and you might have cried an emotional thing, but you left, and nothing ever changed. And you can argue with yourself all day long, but you know you're dead and you're lost, but you're trusting in a prayer. And you're Thomas in the story. I want to know the process. And Jesus says, I am the process. Some of you guys are like, I'm a good person. You ever heard people say that? I'm a good person. No, you're not. Biblically, no, you are not. Right? There are no good people biblically. That's just true. You're not compared to me. Maybe to me, you're a good person. And maybe I'd tell you that. Oh, you're a good person. But like, compared to God, are you really a God who never messed up, who's never sinned, who's never even really thought about committing a sin? Like that God, you're, you're a good person compared to him. No, you're not. Right? Sin is heavy. It only takes one to sink you. Luckily, most of us have tons more than that. 
but you're trusting in morality, and that, that's a Thomas part of the story. Let me, how moral do I have to be? I want to know the address. It's not about a process, it's about a person. Jesus said to them, I'm going away to make a place and then I'm coming back and I'm going to receive you to myself. It's not about a checklist. It's about a person. And what he's saying at the beginning when he's saying believe in God, believe also in me is he says, trust me. Not the process, trust me. Oh yes, the process will lead you in and out of church doors weekly. That's true. If you don't enjoy church, you probably don't enjoy Jesus and you really won't enjoy heaven true story you you can you can watch church on tv right and and get something out of it i'm not that's not the process god set up but i'm saying like i've listened to songs that i like and songs that i don't like and there's truth in every one of them if they're about jesus amen it's not about my preference i've been to places where i had to wear suits and three-piece suits and 17 ties every week i've done that and i've been to places where i've preached in my swimming trunks before i've done that And I found Jesus in both places. Because it's, it's not about a place. I've been to different denominations and different signs on doors and different steeples or not steeples. I've been to all those things. And can I just say to you, you can find Jesus in all those things. I heard a story this week about a guy making fun of a girl in a Lutheran church. They were singing some Lutheran hymn. I don't know any of them. I'm sure they're really exciting. And she was just having a time. And he was like, we don't do that. And I heard that and I thought, man, that's awesome because even in that environment, that lady has found an enjoyment in Jesus. My enjoyment is not in what kind of songs we sing and it's not how I dress because we can change all that. It's not where we meet because you can change all that. It's not in any of that. I find enjoyment in Jesus and if you don't, maybe you're in the process and not the person. So Thomas says, how, how are we going to get there? We don't know the way. And Jesus looks back at him. He says, let me just tell you. You guys okay with this this morning? Let me just tell you. I am the way. He didn't say, say this prayer and repeat after me. May God burn every sinner's prayer. Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the way. You you know the way because you know me, right? Trust me because you know who I am. Not trust what the preacher says because you met him that time. Or trust what my mama said because she's my mama. Or trust what the person that said that I cried that was next to me that one time that said I got slightly emotional because of the, the gospel, what that person says. He says, trust me. If mom says you're saved and you know you're not, then she's wrong. Trust me, I'll tell you. If the preacher says you're not saved, and I say you are saved, trust me. Trust me, I'll tell you. I'm going to make a place where we can be together. Not about the stuff, not about the things, and if it's not about the stuff and the things there, it's not about the stuff and the things here. It's been about us the whole time. I ran around with you for three and a half years because I enjoy you, and you want to come be with me because you enjoy me. That is the story song of heaven. 
And Thomas here, who really has a concern, Jesus, I want to be with you, and I want to know how to be with you. Thomas is not a bad guy. He's just not always a smart guy. And he's like, I want to be with you. How do I get there? And Jesus says, you know the way because you know me. I am the way. And he says, I am the truth. I'm telling you the truth, brother. You can bank in it. I don't care what they say. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And I want you all to know today, nobody comes to the Father but by me. It's not about your way, Thomas, and it's not about the church's way, and it's not about the preacher's way, it's about my way. Trust in me because you know me, and if you don't know me, you can't trust in me. So what do we say? If you want to go to heaven, believe You can't believe and trust in someone you don't know. So today, let me just flip that for you. You want to go to heaven, you have to know. Not about him, but him. You want to go to heaven today, you have to meet the one that can take you there. You want to go be with Jesus today. You have to physically have an encounter with Jesus. And and that looks, right, like it looks like a process, but it's not a process, it's a person. You have to know today that you're not worthy of being in heaven. Heaven is not a place meant really for unperfect people like us. It's a place that Jesus invites us into as he sprinkles us with his perfection. We have to admit today that we're in the wrong and we are trespassers and we're sinners and we don't deserve heaven and that's going to keep some of us out because you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to say I'm a sinner. But if you want to know him, you got to be honest about who you are. And it says, believe or trust in me. And then confess all that. I can't lead you in some special prayer from something God didn't write. But what I can say today is, if you know that you're a sinner and that you don't deserve heaven, that's a good place to start the conversation with Jesus. Today he's just looking for you to introduce yourself. I'm Brad, and I'm a sinner. I've messed it up. But man, I want to know you. I want to know you. I heard him say that you're the Savior, that that you save people like me, and man, I've been looking for that. So my name's Brad. Teach me about you. And today, if you're willing to to be in that spot, man, I believe that God's willing to show you who he is in a way. That some of us will never experience. See, the process is different than the person because the process, man, it's, it's tiring. The process will leave you burnt out and church hurt. Oh, but the person, he will never leave you. And this morning, Jesus is inviting some of us out of a process, out of a religion, out of a thing, out of a denomination, out of a style of worship, out of our preferences, and he's inviting us in to the presence of a person. Maybe some of us today started off our journey with... um, I don't really want to go to hell, so what's the bare minimum? I got to say some prayer and do something. That's called the process. 
Some of us started off the process with, oh, I've been raised in church and I've been saved as long as I can remember. Is that a process today? Or can you say with assurance today, I remember the day when I met Jesus. And man, when I met him, everything changed. Your conversations start with, I go to church, or I'm a good person, or I try to be moral, or they go with, man, I'm nothing, but I know the one who is everything. Today, God, change our perspective from process to person so that, God, we can know with assurance when you said those words, I'm going to prepare a place. It gets better. I know it's crazy now, but it gets better because I'm leaving here and I'm stepping up into heaven and I'm working and I'm building and I'm shaping and I'm getting everything ready for you because one day I'm not just going to call you home. I'm going to come and I'm going to take you there. I don't know where that leaves anybody today. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of anything that you think you have, but what I'm asking you to do today is to be honest with yourself and allow Jesus to be honest with you. Do you know Jesus? Have you met him? Or do you just know about him today?